Hello everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the Coaching Conversation. In this series, we're aiming to help business owners, business leaders and fellow coaches by sharing our experience and the experience of our guests who've coached people all around the world in all of different sectors and industries that you can imagine. So very little more to say other than do please now sit back, relax and enjoy this edition and look out for a special offer for our loyal audience at the end of the programme. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest edition of the Coaching Conversation. And I'm really excited to say that my guest today is Jim Saliba, joining us all the way from San Jose, California. Jim's coaching practice focuses largely, amongst other things, on helping emerging leaders grow and thrive into their new role. So today's subject is how to make success in your new leadership role. Jim, welcome to the Coaching Conversation. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. Thanks, Jim. For the audience, please fill in the gaps about your background and how you find yourself doing exactly what you do now as a coach. Um, I kind of got to coaching in a roundabout way. I started off in tech as a programmer, uh, grew my way up through different companies till I was a VP in this $4 billion software company. I had almost 200 people in my group. And um, I really wasn't enjoying it. So I went out consulting, helping other tech companies change and grow and do software development better. Um, At that time, the concept of agile programming was new and coming up. I was a coach for that. That's where I started coaching. But I realized that the big problem wasn't so much the engineers or the boots on the ground. There was always a gap between what leadership thought was happening and what was really happening. So I started focusing on leadership and leadership skills which brought me to where I am now, coaching leaders to move their organizations in a better way. And I work with new leaders, emerging leaders, as you said, all the way up through the C-suite to help grow their leadership team. So give us a a sense of of your clients and the challenges that they might be facing. Um, There are, well, a lot. So One big thing is around the director level, my favorite part within an organization seems to be a stumbling block for so many people. We move people up, promote them based on their technical skills, what they're able to do in tech or whatever. But as they start moving up, what they really need is leadership skills, what I call core skills. And I'm surprised HR's departments still call them soft skills. It's really the core skills any leader needs to move a business or an organization. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, emotional intelligence is, is often undervalued and really 
for many people, but with, with responsibility for influencing and managing people, it, it, it is the core competence, mm-hmm. almost an entry-level ticket to be able to do the thing you're responsible for. But to be able to manage others requires a huge amount of ability and, and insight and empathy. It's really, really interesting point. So what sort of challenges, other than the, the people challenges, do your clients have when they're looking at their their teams and developing and growing their teams, or if they're an individual that's emerged into a leadership role, what are, what are the, the grassroots issues they're really faced with? Well, what I find is many times they are just overwhelmed with the amount of work that has to be done. They have a hard time prioritizing, especially when you have conflicting things going on that want different priorities. And they don't know how to say no, and they don't know how to say yes. But I bring it down to what I call the four fears of leadership. What I look at the the bottom thing, the root cause that stops people from moving up is plain fear. And I divide it into four different buckets, what I call the four fears of leadership. The first one is the fear of incompetence, or we often call the imposter syndrome. This is a confidence killer because we constantly question ourselves when we have this fear. We underestimate ourselves, our ability, our intelligence. But the other problem is because of the actions we do, we actually create a culture in our team and our organization below us. In this case, it will be a culture of indecisions. So if you're seeing projects get pushed aside because we're waiting to make a decision, we're going to work on something else and that gets put on hold and we bounce back and forth, this may be because some leader someplace has this fear. The second one is fear of appearing foolish. This is often fueled by the need of of security, uh, need for approval, Uh, Fear of missing out comes in here. But when we're seeking approval, we're also holding back from sharing any of our new ideas or approaches, which actually creates a culture that limits innovation and creativity because we want to resist change and do the things that we know that works. The third one is fear of failure. That often is fueled by the avoidance of embarrassment or shame. Um, So we're noncommittal on things. We push decisions in other places. We push them up to other people or out. We don't want to be held accountability. We want to put that decision to someplace else. So when it doesn't work, we have a finger to point right away from us. That creates a culture of being noncommittal. And the last one is fear of appearing vulnerable. That uh, if you ever see Brene Brown's work, this Mm -hmm. is what she talks about a lot. Um, It's about avoiding rejection. So we often hold back. We wait for perfection. Passive aggressive behavior sometimes comes in here. And we create a culture of mistrust. So our fears not only stop us from being good leaders, it creates bad behavior in our organization. Yeah, absolutely. It feeds on itself, doesn't it? And 
the, the more those fears become real for everybody, everybody becomes defensive and oh, on mm. it goes and on it goes. So what's a typical client organization for you, Jim? Are they large? Are they small? What what, what would they typically be? Um, I have a big range of clients, um, sometimes a CEO or C-suite of smaller organizations of maybe um, a few hundred million dollars or smaller down to 20, 25 million dollars. And sometimes I work with large companies like Samsung and Amazon and their their middle leaders. Right. So when you look at these different clients, all of those in that range that you've got, is is there an obvious successful culture that you can see straight away that you recognize? And what, what would that what what attributes would you mm. find in a successful culture? Well, there is no one single successful culture. However, if I see a culture within an organization that embraces the fact that we fail now and then, and that we can learn from that, I think that is a successful culture. In fact, I always talk to my leaders about experimenting because we don't know what will work and what won't work. Something might work for company A, but it won't work for company B. It has a lot to do with the people that are there. So you need to try things out. I say experiment like a fifth grader. Yeah. When I was in fifth grade, there was this science fair thing that we did with a poster board, and you had to have a hypothesis on top. The experiment we ran, and did we prove or disprove that hypothesis? We should be working that way. I know a lot of people try, quote unquote, try things, but they don't formalize it into what am I actually trying? What do I really expect from it? Is there a timeline that I make a decision? When we put it together in an experiment, we really formalize it in this way. And we can say, okay, it worked. We yeah. can now do the next thing. Or it didn't work. What should we try next? It's very interesting, isn't it? I, mean, I, I meet a lot of clients who are frightened of failure and they're, they're, they absolutely put a lid effectively on anybody making a mistake or anybody doing anything wrong and they, over, in my opinion, overreact to mm -hmm. these sorts of situations. And, and it does, it literally, I think, anyway, I, what I see is it stifles the organisation's natural abilities and it stifles the individual's chances of growing and you know, there are certain phrases aren't they you know, failure is part of success and so on but you don't learn if you don't make mistakes do you? you just keep repeating the same stuff right that's that fear of failure coming in perfectionism coming in it didn't work so next time we just tighten it down even more and give people even less room yeah. to work in right and where's the job satisfaction in that? Where's the fun in that? Yeah, absolutely. When I was getting to know you, Jim, and, and researching it, there's, there's a, a triple E structure that you talk about. Could you give us a bit more insight to the triple oh. E structure? Yeah, so um, I wanted to formalize how I work with my clients. So I came up with this structure where we go through three phases. And in each phase, there's two steps. And that's the basis of my book that I call 
the six-step leadership challenge. But in the in the first part, we're emerging. What is it that that we are right now? What's going on? What's our baseline? What's my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What's going on with my team? What's going on right now? Lifting my head above the day-to-day weeds that that keep me so busy that I can't see what's right and wrong. That's emerged. Well, once we pass that, it now looking to the future. And I call this to elevate because we bring ourselves at a 30,000 foot level. What's what's really going on and where do we want to be one year from now, two years from now, three years now? What's our vision? And that vision could be for ourselves personally, where I want to be, what I want to be doing, or what I want my group to be or my group or my product. What is that vision for the future? I call it a postcard from the future. If you (laughs) were one year from today and you made these changes, what would you tell yourself? If you wrote a postcard, what would you be telling yourself to do? Right? Fantastic. Love it. Postcard from the future. Postcard from the future. So it's about now understanding that and putting a strategy together for that. And the last one is to really accelerate. It is to excel, to now put this vision into action. I have a 30, 60, 90 day plan format divided into four swim lanes of what I call my four quadrants of leadership that we can build activities and experiments each month in each of those swim lanes. And that's how my whole structure comes together. So the the three E's are emerge, elevate, and excel. And and as a coach, you're working with your clients and, and, what, how long would a, a typical program work with you with a, with a, an emerging leader? How long would it take? Generally, we start off with a six-month engagement because we don't really get to help people change behavior in something less than that. As a coach, as many coaches, I get to hold people's feet to the fire a little bit and accountability to what they say that they're going to do. And often, there is a gap between what we know we should be doing, what we think we should be doing, and what we actually do. this That fear kind of stops us from moving forward. So sometimes it's stopping, recognizing what is holding us back, why is it holding us back for us to move forward. And, and do you work exclusively one-to-one or do you work with groups? What What's a normal format for you? I actually do both. Um, I do a lot of one-to-one. That's most of my business. Um, but I love working with groups. Groups has a whole different dynamic to it where they actually help each other and build relationships with each other. It could be a group that uh, works together. Um, but I'm starting to do some public groups where different people from different companies come together. <laughs> and it's interesting because now you're building relationships that support each other for years after I'm out of the picture. It's interesting, isn't it? Teams often bond enormously through shared experience, don't they? If they've 
all been through, for example, a coaching experience. They acquire a new vocabulary, a new insight to each other. They've all made themselves vulnerable to one another, so they've they bonded. It's very it's a, a really interesting experience to see. When you're working either in a group or indeed one-to-one, do you find individual personalities, individual profiles that, that they, they impact the work that you can do or how you can help somebody? Um, yes. Well, you know, we all have our different styles of leadership, our personalities that come into play. Some of them help us move forward. Some of our some of our things are baggage that hold us back, right? Our self-sabotaging, limiting stories. And that comes from often, I believe, when we were in grade school and you wanted to your parents wanted you to come back with an A. And if it wasn't an A, right? You did, but you were bad. So I think we were our school system kind of wants us to fit in with each other. So we lose some of our personality, our creativity. Right. Right. We lose the the drive of where we want to be in the world and we must achieve, we must achieve. Uh, for some people, I guess this is great, but I think for many people it's not. So those personalities come up when we start coaching and we start digging into them and understanding why we are where we are. That's emerge, right? Understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And where do we want to go? And we try to fill in the gap. When, when you're working with new leaders, does, it, does that length of time in the organization, whether they're brand new or they've been there some time, does, does that have an impact on how you can help them? Um, well, I take it for tack depending on where they are. Um, many times I'm working with a very experienced person, but they're in a brand new job. Right. Right. And they're realizing in fact, I'm, I'm working with a great woman right now, and she's realizing she can't do everything herself, right? We had a conversation around uh, she can't be the hero anymore. She can't do everything. She has to put her cape away <laughs> and start leading people. So we were talking about the movies Incredibles, if you saw that. And yeah. the woman that makes the, the costumes, she says, no cape, no cape. So that's our phrase now, no cape. <laughs> and, and do you find also that age or any kind of background format impacts people's ability to emerge and elevate successfully? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Most of the people we talk to or that I talk to are basically in their 30s and 40s. That's where they are in a place where they're moving up in their leadership and um, are kind of feeling things out, trying new things and, and wanting to understand how to move forward. And I think we are in a, an age where um, people who are coming up want to have mentors. People want to have people to help them out, that they're willing to go for help. 
I think in my time, that was less common. We we kind of had to feel like, yes, I know what's going on. I can't show that I don't know. We had to have that virtual facade on, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think things have changed. And the other thing is that I'm doing a lot of looking into is gamification to help bring employees engagement. We're looking at a workplace right now where almost everybody has come up through Nintendo and Xbox and PlayStation. And we understand what it is to have different boards and levels and scores and badges and things like that. How do we bring that to the workplace to make it fun? And I see this for a long time in sales on the sales side, uh, but less in other places in in tech or in accounting or so on. But how can we bring that in? And the other thing that it brings for a leader is not only engagement, but it brings more transparency to what's going on in your team and your organization right. and not so much afraid to bring you the bad news because this is part of the game, but it allows a leader to make decisions sooner in the timeline than when people are hiding the bad news until the last minute. So now you can make decisions and change expectations or change direction much earlier. Wow. That's that's quite a challenge, that, Jim. I can see that being really exciting, the ability to do that in any organisation, particularly with the younger generation coming through. That is a, that's a real skill, a real advantage. Jim, we're coming to the, the, the end of this Coaching Conversation edition. So how can our audience find you? How can they reach out to you if they want to know more? Um, well, I would say there there are two ways. Uh, first way, of course, is LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn every day. Uh, as you found me on LinkedIn, uh, I'm there as James Saliba, my proper first name that mom uses when she's mad at me. <laughs> and um, underneath my headline and stuff like that, there's actually a link there that uh, you can create a, a meeting, a virtual coffee with me. If you want to set up a meeting and just chat, this is not a sales thing. Um, I welcome to your listeners to give me a call and we'll set up a meeting and we'll talk about what their situation is for 30 minutes and um, give advice. And if you want to engage me after that, that's up to you. This is not a sales call. Excellent. That's great. Once again, thank you. Jim, all the way, or should I say, Jane, all the way from San Jose, California, where it is sunshining and it's not sunshining here in the northwest of England on this winter's day. Jim, thanks very much. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks very much. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. So there you have it, the latest edition of The Coaching Conversation. Hope you enjoyed it, hope you found it useful, and I hope it did what it set out to do. As promised at the beginning of the program, here is a special offer for you, our loyal audience. If you reach out to me at gwileyatsaydream.com and mention this podcast, we'll make available to you a coaching program for you and all your team at a 50% discount. So where can you reach us? So it's definitely gwiley at sagegreen.com. You can also reach us at the executive mindset at sagegreen.com. 
and our website is clearly theexecutivemindset.co.uk. If you enjoyed this, do please leave us with a wonderful rating on Google. We'd really appreciate that. So nothing more for me to say now other than see you again soon.